Well, I have seriously enjoyed this series that we've been in. And if you've missed any of it or if you've missed all of it, let me quickly kind of catch you up on where we've been the past four weeks. Basically, this entire series, we're understanding Jesus in one of the ways that Jesus described himself. And it's not what I think about him. It's not what uh, your parents think. It's not even what the pastors of Stuttgart Harvest Church and the Church of Malvern. It's not that. It's not what we think. This is how Jesus describes himself. And Jesus uses this metaphor, the metaphor of bread. Now in week one, we looked at uh, Jesus at the what's called the Last Supper, which was a Passover celebration. And they were eating a very specific piece of bread at that feast. And Jesus described that piece of bread as his body that was going to be broken for us. And then in week two, we looked at how Jesus described himself as when he was teaching at this one instance, he described himself as the bread of life. And, and he said that it's only Jesus who, who can, now can take something that we all understand, which is food, and we understand it so well, and he repackages it and helps us understand something very spiritual. And he was saying that whoever would eat this metaphor here, this bread of life, which was him, who had, so whoever believed in Jesus would cling to Jesus, rely on Jesus, he said they would never be hungry again. And what he was doing was pointing toward eternity and saying, hey, this thing is forever. And that is so huge. That's what we talked about in week number two. And then uh, let's see. Uh, and then the next week, we talked about that same story and how Jesus was saying, yes, I am the bread of life. It is only through me that you can connect with God the Father. Then last week, we talked about how uh, the, uh, the seven feasts of Israel that God commanded Israel to observe, how the first three of those feasts happened very close together. And all of these, God had, uh, had Israel celebrating these feasts about 1,300 years before Jesus showed up on earth. And we talked about how these first three pointed the first three feasts pointed to Jesus, um, and that was the Feast of the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. Now, obviously, all of those things, that's four weeks that I just summarized. That's a pretty full bakery for us. Um, we covered a lot of ground in those four weeks, but listen, we have not exhausted uh, the metaphor that Jesus used describing him as the bread of life. In fact, we could be in this series for months, but we're not going to do it. I Trust me, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep on moving, but today we are wrapping up this series, um, and what we're looking at in the bakery today, we're, we're going to be talking about, um, obviously, Jesus again, but this is kind of just a little different route that we're taking today, because we believe that Jesus is just trying to help us understand him better and who he is and, and what he is teaching. Um, because again, we understand the concept of food and bread and carbs. <laughs> we understand carbs for sure, right? So we understand how food for us is a need. We've got to have it. It's a requirement for life. And so as uh, we focus on our needs that are required for life, things we can't live without, um, we, we know that we need something in life, so that's what we're going to focus on, right? 
Every single one of us, we pay attention to meeting our needs. We pay attention to that. Now think about this. I need to eat. So I spend a good portion of my time thinking about what I need. I spend a lot of time thinking about where is my next meal? Where am I going to get that? Uh, Before Cole and uh, Beth went on vacation uh, a couple weeks ago, they went to Disney World. They left the kids uh, here in Stuttgart, and they went by themselves. First vacation by themselves. They, uh, before they went, they planned all of their food stops at Disney. Oh, they had a great plan. I mean, they knew where they were going to go. They knew what they were going to order because it was so much fun to plan all of the food and all the things they were going to be doing because we love to do that, right? Well, that is until they show up at Disney on Wednesday and what was going to be a Disney vacation turned into a vomitcation. They didn't get to eat at any of those places. <laughs> By the time they were able to emerge out of the uh, sick bay motel room, um, they were just like on Gatorade and water. I mean, but they, they still survived their vacation, but they just didn't get to enjoy all of that planning that they put into it. Here's another need we have. We have the need of shelter. There's so many things we need. There's lots of things. So um, these needs that we have, we have to ensure that they're met. We have to have a place to live. We have to have somewhere dry. You know, we have to have food. These things, we can go on and on and on. We all do this. We all plan to make sure our needs are met. My needs get so much of my attention. My needs are usually the first thing that I think of uh, when I wake up in the morning. And they're usually the last thing I'm thinking of as I go to bed at night. So when I wake up, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I've got to go to the restroom. That's usually what wakes me up. And uh, so I, I, I pop up out of bed and I'm thinking, okay, let's get all of these needs taken care of in my life. And, you know, and if you're like me, usually what comes next after I get my needs taken care of in life, then I move to my list of wants. I need food, right? I need food, but I want pancakes from Billy Gales. They're, for, they're the size of a pizza. They're amazing. That's what I want. I don't want oatmeal. I, I don't want something healthy. I want pancakes. I want bacon. I want, I want that. You know, I, I need something to wear, but I want nicer clothes. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I need a phone, probably don't, but I want a really nice phone. I want to go on a trip. So we focus on all of these things and, and everything else in my life has to find room to get into my life because I'm busy prioritizing my needs and my wants. We all have a tendency to take care of what we need first. And then we move on to other things, and whatever time is left over, we just kind of let that work it out as it's going to work out. But Jesus, as he so often does, he flips the script. Jesus, as what it seems as only he can do, he kind of realigns our perspective. Because Jesus says there's actually more to life than just fulfilling 
our physical need. And there's certainly more to life than fulfilling my wants. And Jesus actually says this in scripture. In fact, Jesus said uh, in a very well-known part of scripture, uh, it's a part that I almost guarantee you have heard this encounter before, and yet we don't typically really pay attention to what Jesus is saying. We pay more attention to what's happening around him at this moment, and sometimes what's happening in him. So we don't really pay attention to the words he's saying as much, but I think that that what Jesus is describing is not intuitive to us at all. We don't really just do this naturally. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't for me anyway. It certainly doesn't for me. And I'm just guessing maybe it doesn't for you as well. Because there's a voice in my life that's telling me I'm hungry. And that voice that is saying, meet this need, meet this need. And that voice that is saying, I want this, I want this, is so much louder than the whisper that comes from God saying, come to me, meet with me, listen to me, feast on me. And the voice in my head pushes me to work more and work more and work more so I can earn more and earn more and earn more to do more and do more and do more. And it is so much more, that voice, so much more aggressive than that voice that is nudging me toward a relationship with my creator. And yes, I just admitted that I hear voices. <laughs> so we don't really hear anything in life except what we need physically to survive. And we notice what we think is going to take for us to thrive in life, only to push everything else aside. Now, we say, we'll just leave that other stuff for later. And if you're anything like me, later never what? Never comes. We all leave it. We'll say, I'll do that when I'm not so busy with these other things that get most of my attention. And look, I'm going to be honest here. I wouldn't even probably bring this up because this is going to be a little uncomfortable today except the fact that Jesus brought it up, not me. Because Jesus said that he had this very same need that we're not really aware of. And since the whole point of this is for us to get to know Jesus as he described himself, we want to get to know him better so that we can begin to love him more. And when we love him more, we will follow him more. And when we follow him more, we become more like him. And when we become more like him, we are in turn becoming more of who he created us to be. And whenever Jesus makes a statement like we're about to read, I, I think we all need to really perk up and listen, lean in. Because Jesus is going to describe a need that he experienced in his humanity. Then I have to guess that maybe I need to pay attention to this. So, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, Jesus himself said that this need is something that is of the utmost importance. So we don't need to ignore it. We don't need to just casually look at it. We need to prioritize it because that's what Jesus did. 
We need to prioritize this need in the same way that I prioritize and you prioritize that piece of bacon in the morning or that perfect hunt or that perfect fishing trip or that next game. We need to make it a priority. This morning, we're going to be reading some scripture that's recorded for us by the disciple Matthew. And it's a very well-known passage that takes place about 40 days after Jesus was baptized. So it's at the very beginning of his public ministry. Now, we don't have a ton of details about what went on during that 40 days. We do have some, but not, not a ton. But we do know that at the end of this 40 days, Jesus is hungry. <laughs> if it were me, it would be hangry. He needs food badly at the end of this 40 days because Jesus has been fasting, not feasting. He's been fasting for 40 days. Now, there's nothing spiritual about that fact. There's nothing churchy at all about that. Jesus really is hungry, just like you would be. And if that were me, I'd be looking for me a miracle Big Mac. I'd be looking for it. We've all been hungry. I know I have been. Never 40 days without food hungry. But I will never forget um, attempting a fast one time. I attempted a 40-day fast. Spoiler alert, I didn't make it. After about seven days, I was beyond famished. <laughs> I was weak. I was lightheaded. I had a banging headache. This fat boy needed some calories. I couldn't get to Mickey D's quick enough at the end of that seven days. That's when I just gave up. I needed a cheeseburger snack. That's a snack for me. I love it. And here's Jesus on this day number 40, meaning this is the perfect opportunity for the evil one to tempt Jesus with exactly what Jesus needed in order to live. Jesus needed food. And that's where we get to the point. Jesus knew what he really needed. And it's very different from what I think I need. Because this is beyond what his physical body needed. Did Jesus need food? Absolutely. He needed food. He was in the process of dying. His body was. He needed food. But that's not all he needed. And it apparently was not his number one priority. There was a need that superseded all of his other needs. Jesus needed communion with a relationship with, a connection to the Father. And I know, I know that sounds so churchy. I know that. I know. So it's like we're saying Jesus doesn't need French fries. He needs connection to the Father. And now when we hear that, we just want to roll our eyes because it sounds so churchy. When I was growing up, if I heard something like that, and I heard it a lot, it was an eye-rolling statement to me, because it does sound so churchy. I mean, it sounds so trite, so overused, but hang in there with me, because we are talking about God himself with skin on. 
This has to be important. So here's where we pick things up, according to Matthew. Now, Satan, the evil one, has just tempted Jesus with all things bread, with carbs. It's like, hey, Jesus, I've got what you need. And Jesus answers him. Here's what he said. But he answered, this is Jesus speaking, it is written. So this is Jesus now quoting from the old covenant. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Wow. From this one passage, we learn something about Jesus. Jesus has an intimate relationship with Scripture. And somehow, Scripture is sustaining him. Now think about it. When he was at likely one of the lowest points for him physically, a point where I certainly have never been. Jesus, instead of reaching for what we think that he needs, we would have reached for something like food in that moment. No, 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 no. Jesus quotes scripture as if somehow, by some way, he is sustained by it. And I'm going to be completely honest with you here. I'm not sure we can even explain what it is. I, I'm not going to, to try. We, we, we can't really take this and kind of turn it into an explanation of how this was sustaining him in this moment and how that was happening. We don't really know. I'm not going to try to develop some kind of uh, a theological theory or theological interpretation of that or a position that I'm going to hold regarding that to try to convince you of this, that that somehow was sustaining Jesus. I can't do that. But here's what we do have that we don't have to argue with or worry about. Here's what we do have. We have a picture, a moment, a snapshot, a testimony of God as a man living in his humanity that he put on the skin and the flesh and the bone of man, we have his testimony. And we have his testifying about this at its best. And he's saying that we must live by every word that comes from God. And here specifically, this is what Jesus was quoting. He was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. It says this, yes, be humbled. Uh, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. And he did it to teach you that people, do, and this is what he quoted directly, do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Think about these words for a moment. Jesus is saying, a life that lives for and from every word that comes from the mouth of God. On one hand, it sounds like an overused, trite statement. And it's a sen sentiment that honestly, as I think about that, it, it, it's one that I can say, 
most people don't follow. But still, think about it. Really consider this. According to Jesus, he's quoting the Old Covenant. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, in my mind, it's as if Jesus is saying, yeah, yeah, sure, listen. You can live a form, a a form of the Christian life without digging into every word of God. I mean, people do it all the time, especially in the United States of America. I mean, you can live a form of a Christian life, but you cannot live the life that you were intended to live, a life of feasting on God's word. And again, this is not my opinion. Because if this were my opinion, I I don't know if I would say something like that. I don't think that would even enter into my thinking. This is Jesus speaking. These are his words. And his words are pretty clear here. They're They're not unclear. They're pretty clear. He's saying, do you want to really live? Do you want to really experience life at its most full? Great then hang on every word from the mouth of God because somehow it is sustaining, sustaining in a way that I cannot fully comprehend. And I'm going to be honest. I am not good at this. I'm not under the impression that any of us are really great at this. And there's something else. I am not prideful enough to think that I could say something today that is going to humble me or humble us and make us crave God to the point where we are sustained by every word that comes from Him. I don't believe the teaching team could study and write and rewrite and perfect a teaching and one that could be delivered without mistake. We can't create something that would make us hungry. Not to the point that it would make us want to run to him for words of life. Because that only happens between you and God. And the record of humanity's past It has revealed to us that God will allow us to starve ourselves to death spiritually. As we continue to give our hearts and our attention and our focus to whatever else in this world we desire more than his word. When you really think about it, for the most part, Americans, we are the most well-fed, fattened up, type 2 diabetic in, in, in human society in all of history. And yet, in America, we are also some of the most starved people on the planet in relationship to what Jesus declares in this passage. Mostly, we have no unmet need. We have very few unmet wants. And yet we are skin and bones, malnourished, anorexic 
when it comes to feasting on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And while I do know that I can't give us the desire to know him enough to feast on his words, his sustaining words for every element of our lives. I can't do that, but here's one thing I think we can do. I do think that we can show you just a little bit of a way how to feast on God's words, a way to feast. And maybe, just maybe, you can begin a life habit of feasting on his every word. Now, I'm not talking about the next WWJD type deal. Nope. I'm not talking about an event. I'm not talking about an obligation. I am simply talking about another one of those, what we would call, as we began this year, one of those, uh, one, of those uh, one thing habits that we talked about. This would be one of those. That's what we're talking about. But this morning, concerning what Jesus himself said, maybe, just maybe, this can be a perspective change for us. What we're talking about this morning is more than studying his word. It's more than preparing like we're preparing for a final exam. It's more than preparing so that we could present some findings and teach some findings to a group of people. It's so much more than that. Because we're talking about a sacred conversation that you have with God himself. A conversation that you and I can have with our creator as we dig deeply into his life-sustaining word. Does that sound even just a little bit like something you would want to do? A life of living by every word that comes from his mouth, as apparently Jesus did. If the answer to that is yes for you, then what we're presenting today, what I'm presenting here, what Cole is presenting today at your daughter church in Malvern. Consider this a challenge then. Consider this our way of challenging you and all of us to begin feasting on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Consider it a way of us challenging you to make this a priority to uh, where this has a higher priority and a higher placement than even our next meal, than the roof over your head or the clothes on your back. And to help facilitate this challenge today, we want to offer you this. We packed your lunch today. We made you a brown bag special. Yes, it's small. But we made you a brown bag special. And inside of this brown bag special,
special, and it comes straight from nothing but the bread bakery. Always fresh daily. Oh, it's going to be oh so good. And what's inside of this brown bag special, you're going to find some very simple tools and some very simple resources to help you begin feasting on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it happens one day at a time, building this one thing habit along the way as you go. And then to back this up on Monday, tomorrow, um, Cole and I are going to do a, a special live stream during the day. You don't have to watch it live. It'll be on Facebook when you get home from work. But we're going to do a, a second recording. It'll be about 20 or 30 minutes. We're going to do that tomorrow. And if you need some extra help in understanding the brown bag special, we're going to kind of break that down. And, and right here, we're just going to simply, we're going to do that live. Between the two of us, we're going to show you a way, not the way, just a way you can feast on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's going to happen tomorrow. And our encouragement is this, to take this one step at a time, one bite at a time, one meal at a time. As we begin learning together how to feast, on every life-sustaining word that comes from the mouth of God. And listen, we're, we're not even asking you to fast. We're not asking you to fast. But we are offering you a feast. And I hope you'll join us on this challenge. Let's pray. God, in the beginning, you tell us the word was present and the word was with God. And you tell us that the word was God, that the body of Jesus is that word. And we know that the body of Jesus is not here with us right now, but God, his words are. And God, his spirit, is with us right now. And God, it is in them, His words, and in His Spirit, that we will find the life that You have designed for us to live. And oh, I pray, I pray that we will go after Your words and we will feast on them and allow your spirit to do what only your spirit can do. And God, that is to change us eternally from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. We offer these songs as worship to you, our bread of life. And it is in your name we pray these things. Amen.